Well, we have the privilege to enjoy him today also as he speaks to us in the Word of God. And I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And we want to read through 51 through the end of the chapter. Luke chapter 9, 51. Jesus is going to be in Samaria in the story this morning. When the days were approaching, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you at the chair. Take them if you don't have one at home. Take it home as a gift. We want you to be able to follow in the Word of God. We teach the Word of God here. It is quick and powerful. It is sharp. It's alive. It is the essence of the power through which we stand before you this morning. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they, that's the Samaritans, did not receive him, Jesus, because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, permit me first to go and bury my father. And he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at, my, at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. As we look within this text and context this morning, we are thinking of an area that is so relative to every person that's here. Every one of us deal with this constantly, and we never get over it. And that is the call of God to the human heart. Throughout the course of human history, God began to call. Remember in the garden, God reaches out and he says, Adam, where are you? It wasn't long after that call that Cain slew his brother Abel, and God said, Cain, Where's your brother? And God constantly called and reached and stepped toward us far more than we stepped toward him. Often in the cause of God, we resist the call of God. The Bible tells stories of men running from the call of God, denying the call of God, rejecting the call of God. But God keeps calling. 
Now, as we look in the context this morning of the word of God in Jesus's ministry, he will be in Samaria. And there he will be journeying into a certain village, rejected in another. Samaria was a less than in the eyes of the Israelites. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, and the Samaritans had no dealings with the Jews. They did not like each other. But God, Jesus took this time to reach out in a certain way to speak to us, even in the day and age in which we're living, to challenge each of us to a call that he places upon us. You can, you can leave Cain and Abel, you can go to Abram, and you can take many mighty calls of the Bible. Abram to offer his son Isaac on an altar. You could keep on going as Abram would call and call and call and call. God called. Oftentimes men ran. We think of the example in the Bible. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. And so he went the other way. And God created a tempestuous situation through which Jonah was swallowed by the whale, brought up in dry ground. And then he listened to God and he responded to the call of God and he went where God asked him to go. The call of God throughout the word of God just never stops. He would reach out and call men like Peter to leave their nets to follow. And Peter did not have a clue what he was doing. He called Andrew, Peter's brother. And Andrew had one resume on his, one point on his resume that we can find, and that was he found Peter. But as you watch God calling, he called unlikely people to very in unusual places to things they never expected to do and had no idea that that would be what they would be. Many of the men that would be surrounding Jesus when the context we're looking at would someday give their life as martyrs for the kingdom of God. Today in, in our world, it is estimated there's over 100 million people that are resting in prisons because they have answered the call of God and, and the call of God has taken them to prison. Some of you may have never been in prison, but because you followed the call of God, you suffered in some way in your life. And as we look, God continued to call. He would reach down and call a man like Peter. But then he'd call a man like Saul of Tarshish. The calls of God vary in the ways they come. How they come, where they come, why they come. He comes to Simon Peter, I mean, Apostle Paul, Saul, and he strikes him down in the Damascus Road with a bright and shining light. And he changed his complete life through a call of the Holy Spirit in which he could cry out and say, Lord, what will you have me to do? He could never be the same again. And the man that once was a persecutor of the church became persecuted by the ones in which he was persecuting for at one time. And he fled and he found himself in prison. Now, as we look at the call of God, there are several aspects of the call of God. And I pray that today as we look in the text, we will see this. But if we will look in Matthew 11 and 28, you'll probably see it up on the screen. 
we see one of the universal calls that comes from the lips and the words of Jesus. Jesus speaking says, come to me. When we're thinking of spiritual calls this morning, we're thinking of Jesus calling us to come to him. No matter where he's going to take us or how he's going to use us or where he'll place us, the first call is to come to him. And notice who he says it's for. He says, for those who are weary and heavy laden. He knows that we are not made to walk without responding to his call. Many times when we refuse to respond to the call of God, the load on our, life, on our shoulders gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And Jesus promises something there. He says, if you're carrying a big load, you respond to my call, you come to me. Here's a universal call. I will give you rest. I will bless you. I will give you salvation. I will give you a new life. I will give you joy in the Lord. But then he says, I'm going to ask you to join me in the work. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I want you to walk with me in the work that I have for you. The word of God says one place that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is bright. A lot of times when we think of the call of God, we think, well, what's God going to do? Take me just, you know, who is this one calling us? And I want us to think as we go further in this today that we will see that we are working with the most gentle, the most faithful, the most loving father. Many of you know that song. He's a good, good father. Uh, and we can't even describe how good he is. But when he calls us, he's going to be right there. And I speak to us here because there are many ways in which he's calling. There is a universal, the call of salvation, the call of that first response to God. Some of you here have the gift of an evangelist to call out, to challenge people. But then there is a call of God that comes in many ways in our lives that we would respond to something in which he has putting within our heart. And many times I with you, we resist that call. As we begin, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we'll see that universal call as Jesus again is speaking as he's written to the church of Laodicea. And there it was, he said, behold, I, Jesus, stand at the door and knock. It's not a house. He's speaking of a heart. He said, I'm standing at the door and knock. And if anyone, notice how far he's going, anyone, rich, poor, big, little, every race, every class, every society, if anyone hears, hears the call of my voice, opens the door of their heart, opens up their heart to me, I, my promise is I will come in unto him. I will infill them. I will give them a power they don't possess. And, he will, I will, and we will dine with him and he with me. Now, as we think of the call of God, it's going into a lot of different ways and places. But also, I want us to see the heart of God. He wants to dine with his people. He wants to sup with us. He wants to be friends with us. And like you, there are times without me even knowing it, I would resist the call of God. I believe even within this study, God has challenged me to some areas of resistance. We're kind of like a running back in football. We just want to 
hold back the, we would call Jesus God a little bit of the opposition, someone that's going to be there. But Jesus is driving at something so much deeper, so much more powerful. There's the selective calls, and Jesus began to speak of this. He speaks about open up your heart. The call to respond to Jesus where he sees a need and wants you and I to be involved in his work. This is an area that is so sacred, we cannot just exactly tell you always, this is what God is doing. If you have heard from God, I can listen and tell you to listen to God, and you can tell me to listen to God and follow God. But I cannot tell you exactly, because often the call that God is placing on your heart, it is not the same call he is placing on mine. And so because of that, we walk with Jesus as we answer those calls, and he calls us to walk with him. You know, I think of this in light of uh, all the persecuted Christians in the world today that we remembered in our prayer, and they're all over. And it's easy in America to just kind of put them over here. You ever notice that? I remember the first time Deb and I ever went over into another country. I thought, I'll never forget this. I, I will never forget this. I can't forget what we just saw. But there is a sense that we can put it off, and we can put it off. And then he calls us back to respond to him so he can have fellowship and communion with us, give us rest that we can go out and bless other people. There are places like in North Korea, estimated 50 to 70 Christians in prison for their faith today. It is because these dear folks that are in a very, very strong anti-Christian environment has said, God, I'm still going to follow you. It doesn't matter if it's death. And they begin to follow, and the Lord begins to do marvelous things in their life. Many calls are unusual. They're almost weird. You can take the example of someone like Philip up in Samaria, teaching the word of God, having a revival. The book of Acts says, many people were coming to the Lord. And the Lord comes to Philip and says, Philip, I want you to leave Samaria. I want you to go three days down into Ethiopia, and I've got a eunuch down there that I want you to share the gospel with. One man. You leave all these people to go to one man. Now, it's easy to think, well, Philip probably just said, okay, no problem, God. But, you know, he's probably like you and I. You've got to be kidding. This is a fruition of ministry. This is a great work of God. I'm watching people come all over. But the word of God says he took off, he went, he shares the gospel. And something that was very powerful about that was he shared one message, Jesus, one. And that eunuch believed and he wanted to be baptized. And Philip was caught out and went on his way rejoicing. And there it was that God was working in the heart of this dear eunuch. And after that, a great movement in Ethiopia developed of Christianity, because one man heard the call of the Lord, responded to one man, and the gospel spread like fire. This is what the Word of God does, and it's amazing how it's done. Now, let's get into the text. I've given a little brief overview. In verse 57, we want to look at each of these different people, just three people, and we're going to see ourselves somewhere in this in some way, because that's how the Word of God is. We can read it from a distance and call it third person. It's those two people, but God wants the word to come directly and hit this guy. 
And all of a sudden, they, and as they were going along the road, this would be the road of Samaria. They were rejected in one village in Samaria because they were going to Jerusalem. They go on the road to Samaria. Along the road, someone said to him, it doesn't say who, but he must have been watching. Here comes Jesus, this great entourage. Wow. I don't know what he was thinking, but I know what he said. He said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. He was a volunteer. He, he reached out and says, God, I'm on your side. I will go. I think of Simon the sorcerer like that in the, in the book of Acts. He saw all the works of Peter and the apostles. And there it was that Simon said, you know, I want to buy the gift that you have. And Peter turned around and said, your money will perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And it can't. The call of God is not only serious, but it's amazingly sacred. And it's often it's universal, but it's oftentimes too selective. Because what God is speaking to us about, he is not speaking to someone else about just the same. But this man was ready. And I want us to notice Jesus' response in verse 58. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus often spoke in an abstract way to ask a question or to respond to requests. At first, you wouldn't get it. You could just look at many stories. You want a little challenge the word of God, read that and look at it. How many times Jesus didn't speak directly back? It was more abstract. And here it was that Jesus said, you know what? I just want you to know I don't have any place to stay tonight. The foxes do, the birds of the air, all these Samaritans do, but I don't have. So you're saying you're going to follow me. But as we look at that message and let it develop more, Jesus was saying something deeper. One of the teachings of the word of God is count the cost. Recognize that when God calls you to follow him, he is calling you to come not only and dine with him like we already saw, but you'll die with him in some way. You know, the Bible says that we are pilgrims and strangers here. In a real sense, we don't have a home here. Our home is in heaven. We look for a home that has foundations like Abram, whose builder and maker is God. And Jesus could have been inferring to this man, are you, are you recognizing that you will lose ownership as you follow me? It's no longer yours. Your house isn't yours. Your life is no longer yours. And Jesus was just opening up doors, and we don't know exactly everything. But one of the messages that we can get from this is Jesus radically challenged this man to follow him. The call of Christ often is very radical. A brother over here is reading one of my favorite books, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book on the cost of discipleship. And he was a martyr who finally died in, in prison. But he wrote, when God Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And then he bids him come and dine. And here it was, Jesus was challenging this volunteer. He didn't even give an invitation, but the next one comes along. 
And now Jesus looks and he, and he said to another, if you will see in verse 59, follow me. You know, I see the eyes of the Lord that run to and fro throughout the whole earth, as Chronicles said, to show him how strong in behalf of those whose heart is made perfect toward him. And Jesus centers his eyes on this man and says, follow me. Have you ever sensed Jesus looking directly at you and saying, follow me? Many of you are here this morning because of that. You know where. I know where it was. I can tell you in a little Carmen Ghia car I had with Debbie shortly before we were getting married, and I shook like a leaf and knew it was going to be too late, and Jesus was saying, follow me. But Jesus turns this man and says, follow me. But he, this is the man, said, Lord. Now he calls him Lord. He understood who he was. Permit, he's respectful, me first. Lord, permit me first. Me first to go and bury my father. You notice what he has done? He has said, Lord, yes, I got it. You're Lord, but me first. Now, what he uses as me first is a very noble, noble calling too. He's going to go take care of dad. But Jesus is calling him to follow him and to leave everything to follow him. And he was putting something very close to Jesus' call above the call of Jesus. When I get this done, I'm going to follow I wonder if there's anyone in this church this morning that thinks, I will someday give my life fully as a Christian. I will someday follow Jesus completely. But me first. I've got some things to do. Matter of fact, I've got to get the business straightened up and the house done. And once we get all this stuff done, and Jesus was saying, follow me. Now, if you look at this, he's, Jesus answered again in somewhat of an abstract in verse 6-3, but he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. And at first, I used to kind of flip that around and say, Lord, what are you saying there? But all of a sudden, one day, and this is just the personal application that spoke deeply to my heart, the Holy Spirit came along and says, you know what he's saying? This man heard this call from Jesus. When you hear the call of Jesus, there is no call greater anywhere. Jesus will have others who did not hear his call, who are dead to that call at that time, who will take care of your father. Let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom. Follow me, Jesus is saying. And someone else, if you will pour your heart into following me, will take care of burying your father. I love the verse in Matthew 6 and 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. I recognize when you deal with the call of God, and this is one of the reasons we cannot, you've got to hear from God. You cannot hear from men. We had a friend one time. A great uh, friend for just a couple of years, shortly after I was converted, his name was Ray. We lived, in, we came, both came off the streets of California and the Central Valley. And Ray and I ran around together. And he was a man that could just challenge me deeply in the word. And there was a passion in his heart to spread the gospel. And he wasn't afraid to go anywhere. 
He was so unafraid. They get, the day came, he says, I will, I will go back to the, the bars in which God pulled me out of, and I will drink milk and share the gospel. Okay, Ray had only been the Lord a year and a half. Guess what happened? Two or three years later, I talked to Ray, and all the addiction of his life had caught him again, and he says, I wasn't strong enough to resist the temptation that went with trying to go in such a dangerous place. He finally lost his life, died, a tragic thing. But the call of God must come from God. It will come in different ways. You say, how does the call of God come? And this is an area that's just like this great mystery in some ways. There's some absolutes. The call of God will come from the word of God. The word of God will speak to you. Verses will hit you. You will hear a message even. It will come even through the foolishness of preaching. You may hear Pastor Brad up here preaching, and the call of God catches you. And you know, I went through some, a time like that one time when every verse just kept hitting me, and I was resisting God in an area of ministry. Until finally the last resistance was over, and I said, Lord, I'll go. Then there's the spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There is an inner voice that keeps speaking that doesn't let us go. We see it maybe through the word. We might see it in another circumstance. We might see it through a no to see a yes to God. But God doesn't let go. And Jesus was giving us a great lesson here as we look at this. And it was covering much as he looked at all this. Now, in verse 61, we see another, another volunteer, Lord, uh, really in a way, but a little different guy. It's like he probably looked at the, the, all the activity around, and he said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, there it is again, permit me, respectful. He's, Lord, first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Wow, you know, you asked me, I said, go say goodbye. But Jesus saw something greater and different. And when Jesus is calling you and I, remember, he's calling you. You're seeing it. He's seeing it. And Jesus says, said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here Jesus was saying, in this situation, with this call, if you go over there, when I've called you here, you're looking back. And, and I can't use you. And I would guess that most of us, if you look in the book of Hebrews and do a study, oftentimes some of the great teachings of the book of Hebrews is warning us about looking back, warning us about drawing back after he calls us in special ways out into ministry in various ways. You know, you look and you say, well, how does God call and where does he call? I remember uh, years ago, reading this story about this old cowboy that got converted, and, and in his conversion, he, he was an alcoholic, and for a little bit, he broke it, and he went back again, and he'd go back to his pastor out there in the West, somewhere wherever he was, and say, Pastor, I'm back to drinking. They'd pray, and they'd read the Bible, and they'd go through accountability, and the old cowboy would go back, and he'd get to drinking again, and go back, Pastor, I'm doing it again. And time after time, he just kept letting it down. And finally, one day, the pastor looked at this guy and he said, I want to ask you, when you ride into your town, where do you tie up your horse? 
And he says, you know, I tie up my horse the same place I've always tied up my horse. He goes, where is that? He says, it's right next to the saloon. And the wise old pastor said, for you to respond to the call of God and holiness, you're going to need to change the place that you tie up your horse. Many times God is calling us to holiness. God is calling us to draw nearer to him. And then he's saying, but you must change the pattern of behavior of where you're tying up the horse because he is calling. And Jesus here gives us example. Ezekiel 22 and 30 has, is an interesting verse. If we, you'll see that up on the screen. It is Ezekiel, Ezekiel writing even on the behalf of God when he says, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall, stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would, I would not destroy it, but I found, found none. Ezekiel said, I'm looking out there. I'm searching. I cannot find one man in all of Israel that will stand in the gap. I believe God, the searching of God is still just as real, but the fulfillment of that scripture that is so blessed is God found his man to stand in the gap. And his man was Jesus. Jesus stood in the gap and said, if no one else will go, he answered the call of God. And he made himself of no reputation. He took himself upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. He answered God's call and was obedient even to death, even the death of the cross. And if you follow the word of God and what Jesus was going, Jesus was on his way at that time to answer this call in a great fulfillment. But after he answers that, something happens. He has stood in the gap. He answered the call. And we'll see this as we just look a little bit moment, a little bit longer before we go sit down. And he asked us, will you answer the call? I answered it. Will you? I think of a young man named Jim Elliott. He, lit, he had a heart so much to go, go to the Inca Indians and share the gospel message. It would not leave them. I, I've read about this guy that many people, when they had other ideas, like want to be a baseball player or whatever, fireman. Not Jim. Jim was going to be a missionary. So Jim answered the call of God, and he took off. And Jim went into one of the most difficult places that you could ever go. And there it was. He shared with the Inca Indians, I believe, for about a year and a half before he lost his life for responding to the call of God. But the story of Jim responding did not end there. He had a grieving, weeping widow that finally after years said, I'll go back too. My husband loved these people and I'll keep loving them. And today... Hundreds of people believe there because a man answered the call of God. No one here realizes how far of an impact you will ever have on the lives of other people when you truly choose to respond to the call of God. It will spread like a fire. It will go places you have no idea because this is who Jesus is and this is what he does. His gospel spreads. It goes to the whole world, but all he's looking for is a man, a woman. A lot of times you say, but I, I can't go by myself. And we're going to look in a little bit of how you can go 
and the strength you can get and how you can stand. And I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles over to Matthew 28, 18. We might have that on the screen too, because this is a beautiful call of the Lord Jesus right before he left. He has now went to the cross. He answered the call as a perfect sacrifice, the perfect substitute for sin, the perfect propitiation for our sin. He satisfied the father by giving his life as a perfect sacrifice. But then Jesus, as he was leaving, he looked to that group of people and he said this, verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority, other translations say, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Jesus says, I've got it all. I come in the name of the Father. I come as a son of God. I come as a perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. All power is given to me in, in heaven and earth. And then he turns it toward them. He got it away from himself. He turned it toward them. He says, go therefore, go. Because I have received the power and I am calling you. I am anointing you. I am challenging you through the word, through my word, Jesus said, you go. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Notice what he's saying. It's not just go out and get people converted. He's saying, make disciples, walk with them, love them, use the gifts of the body to strengthen and build them up. Don't let them go. Nurture them, disciple them, be a friend to the friendless, love the homeless, love the destitute, love the poor and the afflicted. And here he says, make disciples and notice how far of all nations. I'm going to broaden your scope. The Bible tells the great story of how Jesus would stoop so low. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. And because he was made that, he became obedient to, unto death, even the death of the cross. And he says, you go out there now and make disciples of all nations. You know what he's saying? Let's just broaden this. You can be going and live the rest of your life right smack in, the, in surprise Arizona and be right smack in the will of God. But if you are answering the call, you'll be going places you never thought you would go. You will be speaking and blessing and nurturing and ministering to people you had no idea God would ever use the likes of you to minister to. But notice something else Jesus is speaking about. You've got to get away from classes, races, the rich, the poor. Oh, one of the great sins of the Christian church that's so subtle is a sin of partiality. It robs us of the ability to bless and follow the call of God in so many ways. And Jesus is simply saying, you are to go to all nations. And then he goes, I want you to baptize them. Notice how in the name of the father, I want you to teach the perfect father, the son of God, the, 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 the father overall. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach the triune Godhead. I want you to teach this wherever you go. What I get out of this, brothers and sisters, friends, is you teach the Word of God. 
Never hold back from it. Be instant, like Paul told Timothy, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And then he goes on, and the Holy Spirit, and then he says, and teaching them. Remember, we make disciples, but stay with them, teach them, keep, keep your heart around them, pray for them, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. You know this. The word of God isn't a smorgasbord. The word of God is our food to guide and direct and keep us in a straight and narrow way and to take young struggling disciples and give them the ability to stand. This is what we stand on today is the word of God. And Jesus was saying here, teach them to observe it all. There's a lot in this word of God at some time. I just don't want to hear, but I need to hear it. God has a way of all of a sudden taking me even at my stage of life, a place, that's the medicine you need right now. And Jesus is saying, take this. And oftentimes we forget this. There is so many ministries to the commission. There is an evangelist. There's a pastor. There's a teacher. There's a gift of helps. Some of you here are a little bit older maybe. And you say, I could not go much even outside of my house. Remember, you can always be a prayer warrior praying with the ministry of reconciliation, you can pray. You can, lay in a, you can lay in a hospital bed and keep praying and God will open the windows of heaven and bless in such mighty ways. And then he ends up this and he says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. You know what he's saying? He says, wherever you go, as you answer the call, I'll never leave you. I will provide everything you've got, you need. You've got the word of God. You've got the spirit of God. You've got the anointing of God. You've got the saints of God praying for you. Now go and do what God tells you to do. We say, well, what does go look like to me, to you? I'll just tell you, it doesn't always look very good. It doesn't look very good a lot of times. There's times when God speaks. You can follow this through the word of God. When God would tell someone like Jonah to go to Nineveh, go didn't look very good to Jonah. Because God will put something in our path bigger than we are able to fulfill. That we might even in the natural have fear toward. And God will say, now I've got you there. You see, God's got each person here somewhere right now in this room at a place no one else is, no one else is to be, and he's got you there. And he's calling you today in this service to respond. And the challenge is, how will I, how will I respond to that? Go as surrender. Go as obedience to the word of God. Go as our bodies must become a living sacrifice to go and to follow God as he would want us to follow. Go is also waiting on the Lord, letting God open the doors, but know God, I am in your presence. I am waiting for you to move. And as, I, as you move, I will respond. And the word of God says in Isaiah, those that wait on me, they will renew their strength. They'll mount up like a wing, like eagle. They'll run. They won't get weary. They'll walk. They'll never get faint. That is going. Going is not always walking, running. 
Going sometimes is standing still to see the salvation of God. Sometimes going is walking according to the vocation that we have been called to live. Going is meditating in his law day and night. Going is loving a brother, a neighbor, a friend. Going is different than we first see. But when God asks us to go, he wants a response within the human heart. So what does go look, look like to you and I? The closer we get to the Lord, the clearer we will hear the call of God. You ever notice that? You probably all drifted. I guess just to be open with you guys in this study, I have sensed a very direct call of God to draw closer to him. I don't know what all that means. I just have sensed that. I love the word of God. I love to read every day. But there has been a call of God that's came in my spirit that says, draw closer, John. Draw closer. And this is going in, in this situation. He calls us out of the world to enter into a work so great and so glorious and so blessed that there's no equal. The place he calls you to go will be the greatest source of biblical fulfillment and spiritual fulfillment you'll ever find in your life. When you go and respond to God's call and you obey his voice and you are where he wants you to be, there is such an overwhelming sense of his grace and his peace and his satisfaction. But you can follow the, the word of God in the book of Hebrews and it speaks about it. it's, it's really, really a bad thing to resist the call of God. Because you, you will not be happy. You will find no joy. You will find no peace. We're coming to an end of a message that's way bigger than just a few minutes and way big, bigger than just a man to be preaching. You know, I want to leave you, each of you here with this message as we come to the end. And with that question, what does go really mean to you? And how is God speaking to you? You know, sometimes God must speak in a very loud, invisible way to get our attention. And other times he just speaks in the quietest little way that you could conceivably imagine. I don't know how many of you have had the privilege of just sitting outside, maybe reading the Bible and having a cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, just like that, you hear a little rustle of the leaf. And you know, there's a little wind blowing. Just a little tiny rustle. Sometimes God speaks with just the gentlest little rustle to get our attention. Other times he speaks in a way that it is so unmistakably clear that we cannot deny it. But the closer we find ourselves to the Lord Jesus, the greater we will discover his voice and his power and his presence. The call of God is the will of God to follow the word of God to the glory of God. This is God's will for your life. The call of God will never take you where the spirit of God cannot keep you. We remember that verse we camp on in Matthew 28. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what does it mean for you? Really? You could probably divide us in many groups. We have such an amazing background here of circumstances, but just for sake of illustration and maybe a little thought provoking as we come to the end of the message, I want to think about three groups of people that are here today. 
The first group of people is a group of people that are hearing the universal call of God to respond to Jesus while there's still time. That's today. The word of God says today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Don't turn from the call of God today. Tomorrow, it may be too late. The call of God keeps coming. I believe right in this room, you know, some of us might say, well, my parents are Christians or I joined this church, but this is much deeper than I, I, I come to Calvary every Sunday. It's much deeper than that. It's the call of God to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, where he comes in to us and we sup with him and he with us. There's another group here. I joined that group today, and that's a call that maybe God has caught, convicted you like he has me, that I've, I've resisted the call some. Maybe we're like a halfback or a, a running back, just stiff-arming the opposition, just holding him back some, and I don't want to really do what God wants me to do. And you know what he wants me to do? Just draw nearer. Just enter closer into his presence. Have fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Then He'll lead you. He'll lead me. He'll show us where He wants us to go. As we find that rest in Jesus, that perfect peace that passeth all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. There's another group here. You're a special group also. Every one of you are. There are a few people here that you are hearing the call of God, and you know what it is. You know, last night a sister stood up here and she said, you know, God has been calling you and calling you and calling you. And you know what it is. And I just want to encourage you that today is the day of salvation, the day to respond to the call of God and say, God, I'll go. I'll be. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I'm, I'm not connected enough. I don't have the right pedigree, but God, if you're calling me, I will go and be what you want me to be. And I will do what you want me to do. We're going to have a word of prayer and thank God as we close the meeting, the worship team will come up to, cl to close with a, a song. And then we'll have just a couple of words. And as God just blesses each one of us in our reflections in this call. But I'll just tell you all, it's, it's, uh, it is something that is just so amazing because you think you've answered a call and it never ends. God keeps calling you deeper, 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 closer, 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 further, further, further. This is God, the God of universe. Heavenly Father, we, we just lift up your name. You are the one who's called us. We're all here, Lord, because one way or another you have called. We have came into your presence. We rely only upon your power. We are so weak apart from you, but we also confess, Jesus, that we can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. Dear Lord, I pray that within this sanctuary, that you will speak to every heart wherever they are. No matter where we have been, Lord, no matter how hard we have resisted your will, no matter how much we could find ourselves like one of those people that we have looked at today, Lord, I pray that each of us can open our hearts to you and allow you to come in, that you can sup with us and we can sup with you. 
And we can enjoy, enjoy the blessed fellowship and joy and peace that passeth all understanding. Oh, Jesus, we ask you to bless each person that's here. And may you keep an, each one in the palm of your hand. And oh, Lord, though, don't let us go until we respond to your call. Help us to follow you, even if it means unto death, like the persecuted church throughout the world is today. Dear Jesus, is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.